trust your master of the arts and sports administration revenue bumper placement podcast. I'm Bryce Lindner. This week on the program, we're honored to be joined by Adrian Madero. Adrian, a very recent graduate of, of the Northwestern Master of Sports Administration program, is a co-founder and partner of 2M Boxing Promotions. Adrian, thank you so much for, for being on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I've been a longtime listener and now a guest, so it's great. <laughs> Well, we appreciate it. And, and, you know, full disclosure for everyone, I had Adrian in class several, several quarters ago and very much, it was actually the last class I taught in person. And so it's kind of sentimental around that in a way. I will say in addition to boxing promoter, maybe still the, the, the most well-dressed man that I've seen in, in a graduate program as of late. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. That, uh, that is part of the job as well. Uh, but, uh, it's, uh, I try, I try. Well, that's interesting that you bring that up because in my head, so my father is a huge boxing fan. I was a huge boxing fan as a kid because my father loved boxing. It's very strange because I'm not as much of a boxing fan these days because my wife doesn't like it for, for many reasons, I guess, but I've never got into it. But when I think of boxing promoter, who do you think is the first person that comes to my mind? Don King. There you go. Right. And so I think many of us from our side would have that view. I, I did do some work with top rank in, in my day job and those things. So I have a little bit exposure, but it, for, for all the light people, what is not that that have the view of Don King as a promoter? What does a boxing promoter actually do? So a boxing promoter is perceived most of the time as the evil guy, the bad guy, uh, or as, as, as they, some, some boxing promoters like to put it, it is the necessary evil that is required for boxing to happen. So the responsibility of a boxing promoter is basically lead the career, manage the career, and promote the career of each boxer. So there are different um, pathways and, and uh, tasks that each promoter needs to do. At the beginning, it's obviously taking care of the boxer, but uh, you are the one paying him. The purse is, is uh, split and, and decided by the promoters. Uh, actually, like the promoters take a cut of the purse, obviously, but you are the ones negotiating the contract. You are the ones taking care and making sure that the fights actually happen and they take care of all the, the, the due diligence prior and in the day of operations. So there's also two types of promoters. There's a promoter that promotes the boxer. Uh, let's say that you have two in promotions. In my example, we have a roster of 25 boxers. And, uh, and we, can we've, we can put a couple of boxers in a top ramp promotion. Uh, that they are doing, you know, Top Rank has a ESPN exclusive deal, so they have a deal. But Top Rank doesn't have enough fighters to only have Top Rank fighters in all the ESPN fights. So they need other fighters to fight against for the undercards or for for a title shot against one of their, their boxers. So that is when, let's say, uh, a company like Two and Promotions comes in and say, like, you know what? I have a couple of contenders in middleweight, a couple in lightweight, and you start doing the matchmaking. Um, so that's one type of promoter. The other type of promoter is uh, the promoter that actually does the event. They run the whole risk. They are paying the boxers. They are paying the refs. They're paying the venue. But they collect the tickets. They collect the revenue from TV. 
and then they redistribute. They run the most risk, but they also have the biggest reward. In this case, top rank, golden boy, uh, matchroom boxing with the uh, zone. Those are the ones putting right now the biggest promotions, the biggest events. So are there, are there instances, top rank is a good example, I guess, or use top rank as an example, where a company does both the promotion of that. And then they are, they promote the actual boxer as well. Correct. Correct. So we have done events um, that we do the actual promotion. We had an exclusive deal with Fox sports, Latin America. uh, And we were doing one fight a month. So one Saturday out of the month, Fox sports gave us a budget and said like, okay, you put a promotion and uh, we need, they, they wanted to expand um, their viewership was kind of weak in Latin America. They were very strong in Mexico, but they were kind of weak in Argentina. They were kind of weak in Colombia and Venezuela. So the only uh, obligation that we had is we needed to have, uh, to have South American fighters. Mm-hmm. So we had our boxers. We gave our boxers a uh, ring space and we were fighting always against Latin American fighters to promote a little bit more the sport in South America and in those countries, because most of the time in Mexico, boxing, it's the second most viewed sport. It is soccer and then boxing. So Fox Sports wasn't interested in competing only in the na- in the national market. They wanted to go a little bit international. So that's why we, we got in touch with other promotion companies in, in Central and South America to try to bring in uh, uh talent from from down south so we can we can do an international clash and we always try to brand it mexico versus argentina and then next month mexico venezuela and uh, it went very well we had a good run and then covid hit and the, the contract got canceled um but uh but yeah we we've done promotions at espn uh knockout which is espn 2 every saturday they have a, a fight mm-hmm. we've done promotions in espn knockout we've done the actual event for Fox Sports, and we've done the largest boxing. Uh, it's in TV Azteca, which is the open channel. Uh, they own Telemundo here, uh, so they're, they're like they're part of the Telemundo group, um, and they own Saturday nights with boxing. So we've had a couple of fighters fight uh, in those in those promotions. Yeah, you mentioned the the Latin American and fighters and so on, and in Mexico, how. It, you know, boxing is still the second most popular sport. You yourself grew up in, in Mexico and it, correct. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then was that ingrained in you early in life? Was it something that was always around? So yes and no. Um, so I was born in Texas when I was two months old, came back to Mexico, American mother, Mexican dad. Uh, so bicultural from birth, uh, but lived in Mexico my whole life. I've been living in the States for about five or six years. Uh, so my whole life in Mexico. And um, boxing ingrained in my life. The, boxing was always present. And you knew who the big boxers were because it's popular culture in Mexico. Uh, but my family was never big into boxing. Uh, we always had like one or two boxers. Like Oscar de la Hoya was huge in my family. Uh, my mom was a huge supporter of Oscar de la Hoya. And then he retired and maybe in my house, we stopped talking about box boxing for maybe four or five years. 
And then my brother and I started boxing a little. Then we transitioned a little bit more. He went to to wrestle at Chaminade Academy in, in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I started doing Muay Thai. So we were never boxers, boxers, or huge boxing fans uh, growing up. Boxing was always a part of our culture. But uh, to be honest, I watch way more NBA or I watch way more baseball or NFL. Obviously, soccer, that's my favorite sport. Uh, boxing was something that came more into my adulthood. Yeah, that's really interesting how you evolved into it. And I mean, I think it's really cool that today you're able to do those things. And just hearing you break down sort of what a promoter does, I mean, this is aspects of marketing, legal, being an agent, venue management, you know, sales. It's a lot of things to bring together in a single person or a single entity. It's a lot. So we have a, a very solid team. We're not a big team in the promotion, uh, but we work with a lot of, uh, we outsource a lot of work, uh, but we try to work always with the same group of people that we know they do good jobs. Uh, so for instance, if we're doing, um, we're signing something that happened a couple of months ago, we went with a gym in Mexico city. Uh, it's a, maybe the most famous gym by the most hall of famer, uh, trainer. His name is Don Nacho Beristein. He used to train Juan Manuel Marquez. He's got plenty of champions. And, um, we signed five of his fighters. They were unrepresented, which is unheard of. Usually as soon as fighters transition from amateur to professional, they get snatched by the promotion companies. So we went and signed five undefeated, uh, fighters with more than 10 fights. So that was huge, huge, huge for us. But we needed to sign an agreement with him saying that we will guarantee that they will fight at least four times in the year with TV spots. So they cannot, we cannot like improvise a quick fight over there in the, in the gym and, and call the commission to, to be regulated. And that's it. They want TV space, which is, is very hard because in a promotion uh, uh, an event, in a boxing match, you got seven, eight fights. But TV, if you're lucky, three fights are televised. Some, most of the time, it's two. So it's very hard to go with a, with a coach and say, like, yes, I guarantee I'm going to give them space for four fights at least a year to each one of your fighters. So that's when we start moving and say with Golden Boy, okay, we do this, we do that, and we, we try to, to pivot and, and, and um, create alliances with other promotion companies. For example, we two of those fighters that we signed from this gym, we signed an exclusive deal with ESPN Knockout. So they're, they're only going to fight on ESPN because they also want to build up names in their own platform and in their own channel. They don't want fighter A fighting in TV Azteca ones, ESPN, another one, then Fox Sports. So they, they want to build up heroes and they want to build up a little bit of a fandom to those specific fighters. So they told us like, okay, those two guys exclusive for ESPN knockout. So um, we're pretty solid that those two fighters are going to have the four or five fights in the year. Uh, and the other ones we're trying to, to put them in the zone or put them in TV Azteca. Uh, so it's um, there's, there's a, a lot of negotiation that, that, that goes in, into play. It definitely seems like it. And I mean, it, you, it makes sense that there would want to be that level of, you know, continuity storylines for someone like ESPN to be able to have those same fighters. But it's something that the average 
fan would never even think about. Right. And it's, so it's, it's cool to see all the the dealings that go into that. I mean, you mentioned though, that you weren't as much of a, a boxing home kind of waxed and waned. How does someone who doesn't, you think about those people being lifers, right? How does someone who didn't grow up in the boxing home, quote unquote, get into being a boxing promoter? So um, my family owns um, Burger Kings and uh, we have the master franchise of Buffalo Wild Wings in Mexico. So all the Buffalo Wild Wings in Mexico are, are owned by my family. My brother is the director of restaurants uh, of, of, uh, the, of the family group. So we were opening a restaurant in Querétaro, in the center of the city, of the country, sorry. And uh, the company that owned, the person that owned the, the, the land where we were building, uh, turns out to be Fernando Beltran. He is the biggest and most important by a mile boxing promoter in Mexico. Hmm. And he owns that land. So he was our landlord, basically. We become very close. We start developing a relationship. And uh, for our restaurant that we were opening there, he said like, hey, why don't I bring a couple of my fighters to the, to the, um, the launching party, like the, the inauguration event? And we said like, oh, for sure. By this point, my brother and I were a little bit more into boxing, but not involved at all. So uh, he brings a couple of boxers. Then he invites us to, to a couple of, of his events. We start getting a good relationship. Then we partner up in a different business with him. And we start developing this relationship. And one day, one, his right-hand man calls us and says, like, hey, are you interested in promoting a couple of boxers that we have in Chihuahua where we're from and where our headquarters are? Uh, and, uh, and said like, let's co-promote a couple of these guys just as a kind of like a hobby for you guys, but I need a, a favor in return. Can you sponsor with Buffalo Wild Wings in the ring for a couple of our, of our matches? So we said, yeah, for sure. We have a sponsoring, uh, a marketing budget that we need to spend and it, it needs to be allocated into sports. It made sense. And we're like, yeah, for sure. That's great. So we start supporting a couple of fighters as a promotion company. My brother and I just say 2M promotions because it's two Maderos, 2M. Uh, and, and we don't know anything about the sport. Uh, I mean, we know a little bit about the sport, but nothing about the business. Uh, but then it turns out that the kids had talent and then we, they, they told us that if we can get uh, a couple of investors to do a couple of promotions in the city, and they were packed, full stadiums, great event, uh, everything run by Sanford Promotions. And uh, it kind of lit something in us, and we loved it, we liked it. We started actually supporting a lot of local gyms. We went there and said like, all right guys, who wants to turn pro? the coaches, like who's got talent and it's like this kid and that kid. And, and, and so we start supporting them financially. We also gave them jobs, very flexible jobs. Like you want to work at Burger King, you want to work in the kitchen in Buffalo Wild Wings uh, and you need to train. It's fine. I mean, you can skip your days. Uh, I mean, this is, we're talking about kids that don't even have money to, to have a, 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 a diet, a correct diet that a boxer needs because at that level that the kids were, they're getting paid maybe 120 to 150 dollars per fight. So, and they're fighting every two months, so they, they can't make a living. 
Uh, and no boxer can make a living until they're at their 10th or 15th fight. Uh, so that's how we got started. And then we got a little bit more serious. We invested a little bit of money and we got, we partner up. This was key. We partner up with two. Now we're four partners in the company. We partner up with two. We gave them equity uh, to two guys that used to run Azteca Deportes boxing side. So they had all the connections. And to be honest with you, our uh, landlord, Fernando Beltran, that got us into the business, has been so helpful. He has basically taken us under his wing and, uh, and, and we have grown with him. So, so far, our boxers, two boxers that grew quicker than our promotion, Fernando talked to us and said, like, you know what, let's co-promote him sign off half of his rights to me and I'll take him to Vegas. I'll take him to LA. So now we couldn't at that point, this was three, four years ago, we couldn't uh, co-promote an event with golden boy or with the zone to have our fighters fight in Vegas within a year and a half. Fernando took over those two fighters and catapulted them to a different level. So we're still doing that with him. Basically we are his, um, we try them out, we grow them, and once they're ready to make the jump into a top 15, top 10 of the world, we co-promote with them. Hmm. That's interesting. I think it's also interesting, too, to think back to the first time that you, you know, did the promotion. If it would have gone the other way, if they wouldn't have had talent, right? And it would have been like a, do you, I wonder, do you think that you would still end up in this path? I would think so, yes, uh, because... It was something that it just we we became so passionate about it and we loved it so much. And we we spend hours doing research about the matchmaking for our fighters. And and to be honest, those two fighters that we started with, uh, the, the young kids that we started promoting and helping them, um, they're not with us anymore. They retired. They oh, retired. Wow. They, they, they didn't have it in them. Uh, they, they couldn't handle one got married, did their own thing and the other one just didn't have enough talent. Um, but we started signing more boxers and more boxers. And then you start noticing a couple of things like, yes, he's a very good boxer, but he's a, a gym fighter, what they call it. He's great. You look at him and he's great, but he doesn't have the grit, the heart, the, the chin. I mean, you can't train a heart chin if either you have it or you don't. Uh, so we, we start detecting a little bit better and now we have scouts that sends, sends video to us. And, and now we, we have, uh, actual gyms sending us fighters, like, please sign our fighter, sign our fighter. And at the beginning we were taking all the times we could, we just wanted to grow. And then we decided to like better have quality than quantity. It's very hard to keep all your clients because at the end of the day, they're your clients, uh, happy because they're all asking for fights. They're all asking for for hotels and tickets for the family and this and that. So it's, it's hard because we're not talking, we're not promoting Canelo. I mean, it's, he's not making $50 million per fight. Uh, so we need to kind of make sure our income and our expenses kind of match because at the, the first couple of years, it was a money pit. We were just investing in it, investing in it. And, uh, and we, we made the decision of, uh, uh, we're going to, we're going to really turn this into a business It's not a hobby anymore. So we brought the professionals and now we're learning from them 
but we've made so many mistakes along the way, uh, but it's been fun. No, it's good. And I mean, I think continue to evolve, continue to learn from, from those mistakes. You know, I think an interesting thing you mentioned, so historically speaking, like I think of boxing as a pay-per-view type event, right? But you've mentioned many times, DAZN, you know, many times, but also ESPN and ESPN Plus and other dedicated fights uh, on, you know, ESPN and ESPN2, all those different things, different areas and avenues. Have you seen that change and grow and how has it evolved? And has it given you more space to, to get those fighters, that promotion? Yeah, so uh, I thought if you would have asked this question two years ago, I would say uh, pay-per-view's dead because HBO's out of the game. Showtime hasn't had a fight in two years since Mayweather retired. And uh, no one else was doing pay-per-view. Everything was the zone, top rank. The only pay-per-view was UFC. And the numbers don't compare. Um, so I wouldn't say pay-per-view's dead. But now we see a comeback with all the YouTubers and TikTokers fighting. And they're doing big numbers. Big, big numbers. That, but I, I didn't want it to be come off as a insulting question or whatever. I was going to ask you about your thoughts. I love it. I, yeah. I am all for it. I am all for it. I paid both fights. I paid the TikTok versus YouTube. Waste of my money. That was terrible. <laughs> I paid for Mayweather versus Logan Paul. It was a great show. It, again, it's Showtime. It's not Triller. It's not one of those companies that is kind of improvised. It's Showtime. They know what they're doing. They had a they had Jared Hurd in the card, which is he's a great fighter. Uh, and and to be honest with you, I was surprised by by Logan Paul. He he, he really really used his weight uh, to his advantage. It, it was fun. It was and it was a spectacle. I wasn't I didn't go in expecting a technical fight or anything. I bought it for the show, and uh, I think it was it was fair. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 an interesting dichotomy because it does popularize, you know, the sport in some way continues to promote it, but there's like a fine line to walk of uh, almost mockery in some ways for lack of, of course. term, because, you know, I mean, I, I am fortunate enough to have seen Floyd Mayweather fight in person and it was wow. one of the most incredible things I've ever seen, but this was when he was in his prime and he was, you know, and so to think then, Oh, he's going to fight some YouTube guy. Right. It's just a strange dichotomy. It's one of the things you don't, you know, oh, well, is this insulting to boxing or whatever? But like you said, the promotion, uh, the numbers are there and it, it continues to help grow the sport in some ways. Of course. And if you can capture two percent of those million pay-per-views that they sold, if you can capture them and turn them into boxing fans, I think this is helping the sport. Yes, it's a bit of a mockery, but I, I think it can only help the sport. And uh, to be honest with you, the, the, the event was, was uh, it, they treated boxing with respect and, and they had professionals in the event. I mean, Bruce Buffer was there. Uh, the, the, the typical uh, Showtime commentators were there. So it was treated as an event and, and I, I liked it. And, and they actually signed, Showtime now, now signed uh, the brother, the other fighter, Jake Paul. He signed with showtime so now they're going to start doing promotions around him because he can pull the numbers and you're going to see the undercards are going to be legit fights they're not going to be youtube whatever they're going to be legit fighters that that need tv space and and that's only going to help those young fighters get viewed by millions of people 
Yeah. And that, that's an interesting growth avenue. I mean, we talked, you know, like you mentioned two years ago, you wouldn't have thought pay-per-view was dead, but things like DAZN or ESPN plus only thing I remember as a kid was pay-per-views and then Friday night fights on ESPN, but it seems like there's so many more avenues to see boxing these days. Yes. Uh, and, um, DAZN now is going to Mexico with the platform. That's going to be an interesting, uh, uh, jump because the zone right now, if you see it, it says this exclusively in the zone, except Mexico. TV Azteca, like the house of boxing in Mexico, bought the rights of the zone. So every fight that the zone has with a Mexican in it, that it's interest of the, to the Mexican market, TV Azteca has it for free. You don't need a subscription. It's open TV. Uh, so like, for instance, Jaime Munguia is fighting this Saturday in the zone and in Mexico is going to be free. See, it's a really interesting difference and i think it's a good question to ask you is that you know that's free to everybody when i was a kid and i think historically speaking with boxing in this country there were it was you watched you know you paid a lot of money for a pay-per-view or friday night fights it's not like baseball or the nba or the nfl where you turn on you know the over-the-air antenna and you're getting free sports do you think that hindered the fandom i guess in some way or the growth of fandom for for people younger people for sure, especially since the fights are $50, $75, $40. It's too expensive. It's too expensive. And you don't have boxing, like you said, at, like on a regular day or reruns. You never see a rerun. Yeah. You very rarely are going to see. It needs to be like a super classic fight uh, for it to be posted somewhere or given air on, on, a, on a TV station. So for sure, that's segregated a little bit, the boxing fact. Or, or just put a, a stop to the growth. Because you see boxing fandom going, I mean, boxers were pop culture. Boxers were the most famous athletes in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And then they came down, and uh, maybe Mayweather was the one that kind of brought it back a little bit. You get certain pockets. Obviously, Chavez in Mexico was huge. Tito Trinidad in, in Puerto Rico was huge, but no, you don't have a, a, a Sugar Ray Leonard that is the most famous athlete of the world. You don't have a Muhammad Ali that is the most famous athlete ever. We, we were missing those. Yeah. It's, well, I, my followers like Bernard Hopkins for some reason. I don't know what it was about oh, Bernard Hopkins. Amazing. Loved, loved him. And so we watched every one of those. Well, I mean, the big fights, but then every one of those fights too. And, but we got, I got an exposure to boxing that, that people didn't, but you know, this other sports, football, basketball, baseball, and especially in places like Mexico or, you know, place in, in Europe as well, where soccer is so huge. Soccer is a big, do you think about those things, how you go up against the other sports, how you position against the other sports, the, the, the fan crossover and all those types of things. It's, it's tough in the States because you got so much sport offers. I mean, Baseball, basketball. Basketball is great for TV. It's amazing. I know ratings are down, up and down. And also the NFL, that people are saying, oh, the NFL ratings have been consistently going down. Well, yes, but they own one day of the week. Hmm. I mean, Sunday is football. So, and you, and you got soccer and then European soccer and then cup soccer. And then you get now with the college sports are so, so, so ingrained in the society in the States that whenever the NCAA football is on, it's, it's the second largest sport. It's NFL and NCAA football. So March Madness, 
basketball owns a whole month. It's there's so many sports out there that it's it's hard to compete for sure. Uh, I do think boxing is making a comeback. Um, I do think that in the USA, boxing has been segregated or maybe only supported by the Latino community and the black community. Mm. There's very rarely a, a white diehard boxing fan or there's not no white boxing community behind it. Uh, so I think there's something to work there around. Maybe they just turn for baseball or for basketball or they, they have uh, other, other uh, fandoms for sports. But for sure, boxing is not mainstream anymore. Um, you still see the big numbers in the pay-per-views or the big fights or the Canelo, Canelo fights or the heavyweight championship. You're going to see Wilder and Fury uh, go at it in Vegas in a couple of, in like next month. Uh, those are going to pull in big numbers, but you're talking about a couple of playoff games a year, basically. Right. No That's one's watching I'm- regular season. Right. Right. I mean, and, and it, it's those big pay-per-views could have the same type of numbers as the NFL. But what's really interesting, as you mentioned, that like boxing's a pretty good TV product, right? And the NBA does a good job with that. Actually, soccer does an amazing job with it. Soccer's a I grew up, you know, in a tiny town of a hundred people. We didn't even have soccer, right? And so I don't know what the rules as well and whatever. So I'm not as into it. But as I can sit and watch it on television because it's a good TV product, right? Football, you could argue, is not a great TV product. Baseball, amazing in person, not a great TV product. For me, hockey, awesome in, per- in person product. Not Boxing, though, both are pretty good. Being at the event, especially if you have good seats, is really great. But it's a really good TV product, too. And that, that's an, it makes that interesting because the other sports, some of them aren't. Yes, I, I agree. I agree. It's 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 one of the few sports that are great in person and uh, in uh, on TV. And also, you don't need an amazing top 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 caliber fighter match to have fun to enjoy it. I mean, they can be ranked two hundred and two hundred and twenty, and if it's a good match and and if the styles match correctly you can have fun and it's going to be a good fight. It's always one of those things that also too, I got this with golf or actually I recently had this experience. My wife had this experience with baseball. She didn't go to baseball as much, but going in person, she was like, wow, you see how hard they really throw. Like you can't tell that on TV. When I went to a, a, my first golf match, I was like, these guys are much stronger and you know, much more flexible than I ever thought. If you go to a boxing match in person, it's actually, it's incredible to see, the physicality of these athletes and it's something that does translate to TV, but man, the in-person is, is completely different. Yeah. Modern day gladiators. It's impressive. They're, they're athletes. Yeah. So how do you see, we talked a lot about these other avenues like to zone, but also, I mean, we're seeing more and more streaming entrance from a, a overall sports perspective. How do you see boxing evolving from that perspective? I mean, it seems that the, the projections of the horizon is good because more avenues to get to fans. Yes, I, I, I think uh, uh, we're in a positive right now. I, I look at it as boxing has been going up for a couple of years at cruising speed, like a sailboat. I think that the zone maybe can capitalize a little bit more into it and they're putting a lot of money 
into marketing that they can make it go kind of like a speedboat velocity. But let's see how long we can hold that speed because we do are getting for sure better numbers and we see it with our boxers. And, and even um, we've done a couple of smaller events that we don't televise and we just do it on Facebook live. And consistently we're doing good numbers and good numbers and good numbers and better, better, better. And, uh, and we ask, uh, we ask around, I mean, the song gets most more subscriptions, but also more viewers, not only like debt subscription subscriptions that don't actually turn on the fight. Um, and, uh, th- that's the reason why ESPN now is doing boxing every Saturday, Fox sports, Latin America now is doing every Saturday and Fox has a, a PVC, um, uh, uh, agreement with, uh, the professional boxing championship or, uh, with uh, Al Heyman. Uh, so the, you see more mainstream channels and mainstream um, media companies going into boxing and dedicating a lot of and allocating a lot of resources to it. So let's hope we don't oversaturate a bad product that we put out there. Let's hope that we're putting out good product and not like the thriller fights, more like the Showtime fights. Uh, but I do think also surprisingly and i might get killed for saying this but we might get younger fans because of all this youtubers and tiktokers fighting uh we might get a younger viewership and if we can capitalize and turn a little bit of that percentage into real actual boxing uh fans i i think uh this is a good opportunity for us yeah for sure i mean like you said if it turned there's seven undercards that are in that fight that are real, real fighters. And, and you can see, you know, it's a, a really interesting way to see an actual real fight, even if it has to have that piece in it. So I, I would agree with you, you know, for those people that don't watch a lot of boxing, what would you, what would you say? And what is, what is a compelling, what's the most compelling reason to say, you know, you should come check this sport out because it's really cool. And, and you know, not only from a, a sport perspective, but an entertainment perspective. So it's quick. It, you don't you don't need to invest a lot of time. I would say, pick one boxer, follow one boxer. It's not like you're picking one team that plays every weekend. You're picking a boxer that's going to fight two, three, four times tops in a year. So it's easy to follow. Follow him on social media. I would say I don't know. Follow a guy like Canelo. Follow Andy Ruiz, Anthony Joshua, or there's a young kid called Ryan Garcia. He is, I think, the first boxer to actually use social media like a professional athlete at that caliber uses it, like maybe like uh, Odell Beckham type. Like he really connects with the young people and with pop culture and what's really happening right now. He's all about the social media and the memes and this and that. So for the younger fan or a, a casual fan, I would say – Follow those type of boxers that are fun to see on and off the canvas. Uh, so, so you can actually follow them a little bit on social media. And then the fight, they're short fights. 45 minutes, it's over. It's a good so point. It's 45 minutes that you need to invest in it every three months, every four months. Just follow yeah. your boxer, pick one, and stick to it. It's a good, it's a good point. It's a different dichotomy of than sitting for four hours at a football game. I mean, not that you had to sell me as being a lifelong boxing fan and, 
you know, waning a little bit, but it, it's something nostalgic because of my father, but hopefully some of those, you know, that the, the more average fan that doesn't see it as much, well, oh, they can change their mind. So, you know, it's, it, it's been great. Adrian, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk to us about, you know, your, your evolution and what you do today. And we really appreciate all the insights. No, thank you. It's been a pleasure.